Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Having brought you Lynn Ramsey in conversation from the Glasgow Film Festival in our previous episode, we're on location once again here on Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs, this time at London's world-famous Air Studios. For that's where I caught up with Junkie XL, aka Tom Hulkenberg, on the day he recorded the string parts of his score for Tomb Raider. It was an absolute privilege to witness, so huge thanks to Tom and all at Air for making me feel so welcome. Tomb Raider is directed by Norwegian Roar Uttag, and I'm delighted to say I caught up with him separately to discuss what he asked of his composer, the tone he wanted for the film, and Kayfley's excellent end credit track, Run For Your Life. There's also a sonic treat for old school gamers before we're done too. But where else could we begin than with Tom in the control room at Air Studios? Tom, thank you so much for allowing us to come down to Air Studios today. And we went in the wrong door on the way to the control room and just saw that room kind of empty at the minute, but ready for your amazing orchestra. Can you just set up what's going on here today? Well, we're recording Tomb Raider today, and uh, I arrived yesterday. We're all a little bit jet-lagged, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. As the day goes later, we'll start cheering up, you know, yeah. just feeling better again. But uh, yeah, so we went here yesterday to um, check everything and set everything up. And then um, this morning you come in and then, you know, there's these 68 amazing string players here. One of the best of the world. Yeah. Definitely. With their priceless instruments. You, you don't even want to know like how many millions of instruments are combined in that room. It's incredible. And it's always when you go see a classical concert, you know, you go to a proper hall, you have that experience of hearing wonderful instruments live. Mm -hmm. But it's so great to hear a couple of times a year when I finish a score to hear the stuff that you've written yourself, you know, with live players. It's always, always great. to me a little bit about the journey to getting here today with this particular film with Tomb Raider and at what point did you come on board with this particular project and what were the conversations that you had with directors, producers, you know, in terms of getting to this point and being here recording this orchestra? Well, the, the idea, idea for the score always has been, and that's why I got asked, to do a pretty left approach to, mm -hmm. the, to this film. They were not looking for 
a traditional traditional score where it was just going to be strings and brass and woodwinds they they were looking for something that was very much rooted in rhythm in sound design other weird use of of, of instruments uh, because most of them without spoiling the plot or the party when it comes to this uh, film but most of it takes place in a small island in the pacific where it's pretty brutal the conditions to live there and there's no technology whatsoever so to reflect that really well you know we needed a palette a tone palette that was quite different than your bread and butter orchestra We do use it at lots of spots, and that's why, obviously, we're here to uh, to record this with these wonderful guys. That depends. Like sometimes I uh, just read the script and based on the script I start writing a lot of music and I send it to the director while he's still shooting. And sometimes I um, see the film when it's already completed and there's just four weeks left to do the to do the music. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it, it no happens. <laughs> it happens. And that happens a lot with... I've been now doing films for four or five years on my own. And now we're getting into a cycle where directors that have done a film with you are now coming back for, for the next film. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you're pretty much aware of everything that's going to happen before there is even a script. Wow. You know, so you would get together with one of these directors and hang out and he said, I've got this crazy idea. I want to make a film about this and this and this. So when you work with reoccurring directors, you pretty much know right from the start what's going to happen. And then 
you can also determine whether you want to start early or you want to start a little later or you want to start when the film is in somewhat shape or do you want to make music before they start shooting yeah. and so I like all these types of combinations and all these directors are different people anyway so each one's a different experience com- I imagine completely completely How would you describe this experience so far? With this movie, it's great because Roar is a Norwegian director. And it's it's funny, like, Europeans among each other, like, with half a word, you know enough. Yeah, um, telepathy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, certain things are just um, rooted in, in, like, uh, certain backgrounds. And, yeah. But, I mean, I've worked with directors from everywhere. All kinds of people, all walks of life, young and old, and it's it's like persons. Every person is, is different. Every director is different, so yeah. you can't really compare them. I'm just watching people kind of arriving back into this wonderful room here at Air Studios, and I just like a sense from you as to what it's like for you to sit here and hear your compositions played back at you from this wonderful collection of, of people. and. And whether you you know you still get a, a, a kind of kick and a rush from it, and if yeah, it's different to being an artist in a sense. Yeah, it's especially when it's pieces of music for a film that are meant to be 100% yeah. for an orchestra. So there's moments in every film where um, there's an adagio or there's like a, a piece that's driven by mm. the by the orchestra, and then it's it's mind blowing because that's when you're you you are listening to the final results at that point. With uh, Tomb Raider, most of the music is like some sort of a mix between all these kind of different elements. And so when you're just listening to the strings, you're just hearing technically 5% of what's going on in the music. Uh, So this happened a lot, for instance, on Mad Max, where there's like a couple of scenes in the movie where it's 100% orchestral. And then when you hear it, you hear the, the end result. And that is really great.
I've got to say congratulations on the Mad Max soundtrack because that was absolutely wonderful. You must be still, I hope, thrilled about the response that that got. I was also surprised, but... Uh, really? Why? Because it's it's such a um, relentless uh, score <laughs> and it's, it's obviously also a relentless film. really surprised that especially that score really had a, a life outside of Mad Max yeah. like people play it at a gym or you know people play it you know it's a good run-in soundtrack as well yeah so it, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it was was very interesting and it's obviously great and because I have an artist background when I moved into film scoring I never expected anything remotely close to what it was being an artist because as an artist you you are at the center of the stage and people come to see you and and you're really in the limelight mm. and the choice that i made to go into film scoring was very obvious to go into the other direction and then sometimes it happens that a soundtrack or or a, a track that you did for a film just stand out on it on its own and and then it feels like being an artist again you know <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's interesting because you, you talk about it being relentless which kind of runs in parallel with the film but you take that score away from the film and it does diminish the power of the film in a way they both need each other and what point did you come on board with, with that film and what were the conversations that you had with George on that in, in terms of what you were doing? Well it, it was really funny because when I met George for the very first time I arrived in Sydney and I basically saw the film how it was at the time mm. it had no beginning and it had no ending and the first shot that I saw was that red guitar player, you know, in front of the truck and, and then the rest of the film. And at that point, George was convinced that the movie didn't need all that much music. 
he thought like the car sounds would be enough and then the guitar playing and the drumming in the mm -hmm. back of the truck he said like it's probably it's probably enough we just need like a few bits here and there day after a good night's sleep I came up with an idea what I wanted to do with the film and I had some YouTube videos and I always carry uh, a little hard drive with me that's called my passport drive and it basically has everything on it that I ever made uh, wow. and I have a, a really weird memory like I can't figure out the microwave every time I want to use it <laughs> but for whatever reason I know everything that's on that drive on the top of my head so it's the this important stuff <laughs> it's weird functioning memory and uh, so I was compiling a little playlist of different types of music and we played it live to the scene so we would basically just hit play on the computer and play the movie and I would just from my laptop play pieces of music against it wow almost DJing almost DJing yeah. and, and and then George would be like wow I never thought about that and then and what about this and it's like wow that's interesting too and then so it got into a really engaging conversation and pretty soon we figured out we need m way more music than <laughs> than, um, than we anticipated Then I came home and then the first thing that I did was basically the first 20 minutes of the film going into the storm and then everything stops and I kind of did that in one rush uh, in a couple of weeks and I sent it out to him and he was like this is amazing and he never went back changing that and then the rest of the film took us 16 months to finish. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Something about having that very small gap of time that makes decisions easier, doesn't it? You know, in terms Some, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And funny enough, now that I'm a, a film composer or somebody who makes music for films, composer always sounds like a, you know, like a dafty <laughs> word. You know, the guy who makes the music. Uh, and um, I'm able to be more creative within the realm of doing a film than I was as an artist on, on my own. Yeah. Like I was always clipping my own wings when I was an artist. And when I work on a film and I've been given a certain range to work in, that's when I really mm. fly. And uh, I always compare it with painting. Like I'm the guy you should send into a room with three colors and one canvas and something great will come out of it. If you send me in a room with all the tools available to paint, I'm just gonna spend so much time like, oh, shall I do this or shall I do that? And so limitation really works. That's when I creatively come, yeah. al come alive. What was it that made you consciously make that decision to step into the world? That happens actually very slow. I've always been a movie fan. And as an artist, I was, you know, just making music. I was always interested in conceptual albums that had a journey and start somewhere, take you through all kinds of different places and then it ends. So storytelling was always in my music. And it wasn't until I saw The Blade with Wesley Snipes where they licensed one of my songs and they put it in the film. And I saw that and I was like, wow, my music can do this. And that's when I got more interested and I really started looking into it. from, admired, that they've grown from and you've brilliantly worked quite a bit with Hans Zimmer as well over, over the years and I think you worked on the Inception score as well with him and, and bits. Having someone like that that you can learn from and encourage you, how important was that to you? What was it like working well, with Well, just to stay, um, set the record straight, yeah. like I didn't quite work on Inception with oh, okay, Hans sorry. but I did, what I did do at the very end was I made some sort of a remix where his main themes were all combined into one.
nevertheless, um, Hans was like one of the many mentors that I had in my life and a very, very important one. It's really great to see somebody in action like himself, working with directors, working with the studio and just really be motivated. The most important thing that I learned from him after two years was basically a pat on the back and saying like, but you can do this on your own. You don't need me. You can do this on your own. And that was the last thing that I really needed, you know, just after working with him for two years. But then there's, on key moments in my life, there've always been people like that. Yeah. There's um, a DJ from the, who's still active, Sasha from, yeah, the, from yeah. the UK. It was really important meeting him in the late 90s and how we worked together then on the engineering front. Like in the very early 90s, I worked with an engineer from um, A&M Studios in, in Los Angeles. And he showed me some tips and tricks and how to keep going at it. And so these are just like three examples, but there have been 10 probably in total that have been crucial for how my career developed and what I learned and what I was able to do. Combined that with the fact that my mom was a, a music teacher, like for me, education is very important and to create moments for other people that potentially are life-changing as well. Uh, so I take a lot of time in creating videos online to show exactly how I work in this series that we call Studio Time. And then I do the same thing with my assistants, just really try to give them as much information as possible how to do this on your own. You know, hopefully that one of them anytime soon can receive that pat on the back <laughs> as well. It's just like, you can, you can do this. You can do this on your own. So if anything I like more than making music is actually that. Oh, wow. Passing on, it's like a really of composers just passing the battle. Exactly, exactly. Off you go. Musicians are ready to, to crack on and, and finish this. Are you going to finish today? Is, is, uh, we're going to finish the strings today wow. and then tomorrow we have, we're recording brass. Wow. Listen, I can't wait to hear it. Thank you for your time. Maybe we can chat when the film's finished. Yeah, so absolutely. So we can have a before and after. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah, Thanks, totally. Tom. Thank you so much. No problem. Hans Zimmer's theme from Inception, as remixed by Junkie XL, otherwise known as Tom Holkenberg, concluding the first part of this week's soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. And so to Roar Uthtag, the Norwegian director behind Lara Croft's latest cinematic outing. Now it turns out Roar was also at Air Studios as Tom's score was being recorded and loved the experience just as much as I did. Well, welcome to Soundtracking. Congratulations on Tomb Raider. I really enjoyed it. I think it's fantastic and it feels brand new. 
But we were just saying, I had the pleasure of talking to your composer, Tom. Yes. Uh, who very kindly invited me to Air Studios for a very short period of time. And obviously I was just seeing a very small window of an enormous amount of work yeah. <laughs> had gone into that. Is that a great part of the filmmaking process for you when you get to experience that side of things? Yeah, that was such a wonderful experience yeah. in Air Studios. One day we had the, all the strings in there and then the brass the day after and just feel it shake the foundations of the (laughs) room on the house and no it was a really cool experience assume that it's an action film and there is a lot of action in the film but there's a really emotional core to the film and this incredible father-daughter relationship I think that's really reflected beautifully through themes in the music Mm. with those conversations that you had with Tom with regards to finding themes for them for those relationships in different parts yeah the father-daughter story is really the heart of the movie Mm. and it was important that that has clear distinct theme so we talked a lot about that and also about uh, that a lot of that is in the past so it has a feeling of memories so fleeting moments yeah and i think tom captured that beautifully he used a lot of reversed sound that feels like you're taken back in time mm-hmm. somehow uh, yeah. subconsciously that i think worked really nice And with Tom, he's got so much more recently stuff that I've, I've been so impressed that he's done Mad Max and mm. Deadpool or two of the films that it's kind of like, wow, yeah. these are really good. And, you know, as a musician, crossing those different genres of, of being a musician, being a DJ, mm. but being a composer as well, why was he the right man for the job? I think as we wanted this to feel like a modern day uh, mm. Tomb Raider movie and a modern day action adventure and it's set in, uh, started in East London. It's, it's gritty and we wanted this authentic feel to it. We felt that Tom's music, I think he does it beautiful that he blends. He, he does all the big action stuff and the big orchestral stuff, but he also has this more electronic side to him mm-hmm. as well. And when you mix those two, I think you get a really interesting result that feels very kind of edgy and... Mm-hmm of today yeah. uh, while still keeping the emotions and the big <laughs> spectacle of the, of the action uh, yeah. or the Hollywood movie. Yeah, that's kind of our attitude to the whole movie was to have a Hollywood movie but with 
a bit of an edge to it yeah. and also a big emotional heart to it. Yeah. And I think that's Tom's music has that as well. Contemporary music in the film. There's the end credit song. Yeah, which I I, play, yeah I'd yeah. love you to talk about that in a second. But with regards to needle drops and things mm. within the film, there are some. Is there a yeah. couple? And yeah. we worked with Clay Savage, was our music supervisor, yeah. and she found some really cool tracks. So there's in the opening boxing gym, there's a song, and then when she's biking to work, yeah, there's another song, and then for the bike race, the we fox. have a kind of fox and yeah, 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 yeah. chase. Tom did a remix of another song. Is that a fun process for you? Yes, it's very fun. And it can change the scene so much. We tried some songs that gave her a bit more attitude, but mm. then it could like tip into making her too sassy or too kind of full of herself. Yeah. But then if you put on some other music, because she's working as a bike courier, then you feel like she's struggling and it's a hard life she's living. And, uh, and it can really change how you read a yeah. scene. It would change so much depending on what music we put on it. Yeah. Let's talk about the closing song and, and how that came about, really. I wasn't that involved in that process, yeah. really. But I was presented the song and I just loved it. I thought it had the right, exactly the right attitude for Lara and mm -hmm. for our movie. And we gave it to the people that did our main on end design and it really worked beautiful with that as well. Don't count me out just cause I'm down Boy I've been down before Fate has a way of playing games And I've been keeping score They tried to tell me I was lost in the forest like a cup with no Look for the hole in the face Take everything you can make Fast as you can And run for your life 
Can I take you back to when this project was put on the table for you and what was it that made you want to jump in and, and, and direct this film? Well, I grew up in Norway and every time a big new Hollywood blockbuster <laughs> movie would come on, we would all run to the theatres. And uh, yeah, growing up, Indiana Jones was one of my favourite movies. No way, that's the first film in the Temple of Doom? Actually, Temple of Doom was the one I watched the most because yeah. I had that on VHS. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching it like every yeah. day after school, I guess. It's yeah. the first film I remember being allowed to go to the cinema with my friends okay. too. Yeah. So, you know, not with parents. Yeah. It's etched. It's yeah, there. Yeah. That whole experience Karima. of watching that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, totally. So, like, those kind of action-adventure movies mm. was what I loved the most growing yeah. up. And then when the first Tomb Raider game came out, we used to sit in the basement and play it with my friends. Oh, wow, uh, you were a gamer. Yeah, yeah Still a, a little gamer? bit. Not that much. <laughs> and I kind of preferred back when it was more two-dimensional, because yeah. I get a bit car sick yeah. when it's moving <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> around too much. But I watched my friends play it, and I tried it a little bit myself as well. And I thought that was really cool to see a female mm. hero in a game like that. Yeah. And then I kind of went on making movies and then I made a movie called The Wave which was, was like, brilliant oh thank you and my agents in LA screened it to people in the industry over there and one of the executives saw at MGM saw it and said so what about him for Tomb Raider was it a yes straight away <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> it was no but, question but also I didn't know that much about what had happened to the game since the Angelina movies came out and then I did some research and saw what they did in the 2013 reboot game. And then I got really excited because I felt that was a brand new take on Tomb Raider and all the Lara Croft character. Mm -hmm. It felt gritty and down to earth and relatable. That's a great asset in a big action movie like this that you have a character you believe in and, yeah. and root for. I thought I saw that again. I'm going mad. Lara, your father's gone. At some point, we have to face up to who we are. Who we're meant to be. I think I know where my dad went. That's right in the middle of the Devil's Sea. It'll be an adventure. Death is not an adventure. You know, I love the fact you mentioned Indiana Jones earlier because you talk about authenticity and I think what's wonderful is that you created so much of the sets when you were filming. You can really tell, you know, there's so much of it that's real, like the tomb is real and yeah. it really reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones, <laughs> you know, you. in terms yeah. of those moments where they're they're getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this kind yeah. of this world. Yeah. And was that in, an influence at all in terms of you, you cite it as being a, a film you remember seeing as a as a child and Yeah, I, I think it's more in my filmmaking DNA or something <laughs> yeah. like that because we didn't go back and watch any movies yeah. or anything for this but it was important to us as we wanted this kind of authentic feel to the whole movie that we build as much as possible on stage and mm. not rely too much on green screens and CGI. Yeah, obviously you think of Indiana Jones, you think of that amazing score by John Williams yes. and you know you hear that now and you, you're instantly transported. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing how music can do that. Isn't yeah. it? It's quite magical. Yes, it is. Like a time traveling machine in a way. Yeah, you know, it immediately takes you back to it. Yeah. yeah. 
This feels like the first of a franchise, a new franchise from the old franchise. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard or seen if there's going to be any more. Would you like to continue in the world of Lara? Uh, we haven't really discussed <laughs> that too much yet. Yeah. Um, I had lots of fun doing this movie, but it was important to us that this feels like a standalone movie. Yeah. It, it can be enjoyed by people that have no uh, knowledge of Tomb Raider, the games, yeah. or previous movies, or Lara Croft as a character. You can come into it fresh and, and get the full enjoyment mm -hmm. of the movie. And then, of course, we also wanted to pay um, our tribute to the fans. Which you've done. How have you done this? Because you've done it with some Easter eggs, haven't you? There are a couple of little yeah, things so that only the gamers would really know that are a kind of nod to it. Is that right? Yeah, there are some things like... <laughs> The setting of Yamatai is from the game, and we also have some sequences like when Lara's going down the river into that old Japanese it's bomber. Amazing, I love that scene. <laughs> uh, we had lots of fun shooting. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And then, of course, we have the little twin guns. Yeah, there are some things, and smaller things like the makeup try to match some of the cuts that Lara has uh, That's in the attention game. to detail, yes. that's amazing. Yeah. Why is that important? The fans, they're <laughs> so uh, enveloped in this world and yeah. they're appreciative. Yeah, to pay our respect to them, I think it's fun. And I, <laughs> I know as a movie fan myself, when I catch those small Easter yeah. eggs, uh, it's a really fun experience. Yeah. Uh, Roar, thank you so much for your time. It's thank really you. great to chat to you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you very much.
from the original Tomb Raider video game, that's Nathan McCree's really rather stunning main theme, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with director Roar Othag and composer Tom Holkenberg, also known as Junkie XL. My huge thanks to Roar and Tom for taking the time to talk to us and of course for letting me sit in on the recording of the string section of the score at London's iconic Air Studios. Tomb Raider is on general release now with the soundtrack available via Sony Music Entertainment. Now you can find a full Spotify playlist for the show via edithbowman.com which is also the place to catch up with all of our previous episodes and subscribe to the podcast. Do follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK and please keep spreading the word on your socials and amongst your friends. Soundtracking in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Next up, we have Australian director Garth Davis, whose last film, Lion, quite rightly received huge commercial and critical acclaim. For his latest film, Mary Magdalene, he had the opportunity to work with Icelandic composer Johan Johansson, and unfortunately, it was the last score Johan worked on after he passed away suddenly earlier this year. But that gives us an excuse, not that we need one, to celebrate and talk about his great talent. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.